The following podcast contains explicit language on explicit topics. Thanks for listening to Afterthought, an anonymous podcast for sexually active and dormant women. I'm your host, Epiphany Evans, and today with me, I have Peaches. What up, Peaches? Hey. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for agreeing. We are strangers, but we've been, you know, shooting the shit a little bit, so we're not that strange. How are you feeling? I'm feeling very at ease. I'm excited. I'm happy to hear it. So let's not keep everyone waiting. Where does your sexual evolution begin? So the earliest memory that I can have of being sexual, um, I want to say I was about five years old, five or six. I remember getting in trouble, actually, for it. Uh, So I was laying in bed, uh, maybe taking like a day nap. Um, I shared a room with my older sister at the time. And so it was one of the, the only times that I had it alone and, um, it wasn't triggered by anything, but I just remember someone walking in the room and me getting caught humping my hand and, (laughs) and like, it didn't make sense to me. Like I knew that what I was doing was going to get me in trouble, but it didn't make sense to me why I was truly getting in trouble for it. It was my mom who caught me. We didn't talk about it. But, uh, yeah, I got in trouble for humping my hand. It was like a, a, what are you doing? Um, Come in here. And I had to go and sit in the kitchen with her. I wasn't allowed to be in my room alone for the rest of the day. Um, Yeah, it's it's just such a blurry thing. But I remember the feeling um, physically. I remember the feeling emotionally. And then I remember just like this. I know that I'm going to get in trouble, but fuck it. This feels really good. Yeah. Earliest. Five or six years old. So from a very young age, you were taught that your sexuality was wrong. Yes. How did that go on to affect the next time you would want to feel that same feeling? I think, luckily, maybe from being the middle child, I got really good at just being sneaky or just having privacy and knowing that that's when I could do what I wanted. And it didn't really slow me down at all. I just knew that it was something that like I would not be able to share with other people. But it made me really good at knowing what I liked and like spending time on myself alone. I want to say that I started masturbating consistently after that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was no like actual penetration like nothing I would never put anything inside but it was just like a rubbing external rubbing by the time I was nine I believe I think you're nine in the fourth grade I had my first accidental orgasm so at this point I had gotten my hands on um, a porn magazine we didn't have HBO I couldn't watch it after dark if I if I could have I didn't know how to get to it but I got my hands on a porn magazine. It was my dad's. Sorry, dad. And oh, and it was Hustler. So it was very explicit. You could see like dick going in into the vagina, close up, like beads of sweat and stuff on it. Um, really high definition shit. I remember having that magazine and then getting one of my gel pens. 
and getting the opposite end of it. So like, not where you write, the opposite end where it's smooth, using that, like putting that inside of my vagina and just kind of like swirling it around. That mixed with humping my hand and I'm laying on my stomach, just like, just shoving it in and out, moving it around, like almost like smacking my clit, like doing all this as a combination. Um, and I ended up having my first accidental orgasm. And I don't know why I had all this alone time. I remember it being like daytime, like no one else was home. I don't know why I was home alone. I was nine. Like I had an older sibling. This was not the norm, but I had all this alone time, had my first orgasm. It was wonderful. Looking back now, um, well, the first thing, my parents were um, a little bit, they were, I mean, they were parents. They were a little bit wild. Like, I remember them still having house parties when we lived in Los Angeles before we moved to Minnesota. So they were a little bit wild. I They didn't care about rated R and shit like that. Like, so I'd seen sex scenes. Um I obviously, like, couldn't watch it with them, um, but, like, peeking through my fingers and stuff. Like, I could, I knew what sex was. Apart from that, and this is something that I didn't realize until I got older, but I guess my mom spoke pretty openly about sex around us. Um, sometimes she would, like, censor herself when she remembered, but other times she wouldn't, like, she would maybe be on a phone call with her sister talking about, I don't know, someone on TV. Like, even talk about his dick size. Like, oh, I wonder... But, like, it wouldn't be so explicit. I just knew that that's what was happening. She also didn't uh, mind, like, saying that she liked sex or, like, that she was in a good mood from having sex. And so I guess that was just subconsciously the norm for me, which I appreciate now. It probably sounds horrifying. But, no, I definitely appreciate that now. So then now are you able to talk about sex with her just as openly? It's kind of strange. She has become a lot more conservative as she's gotten older. She and my father, they're divorced now. I, like, I'm very open, um, slightly kinky, consider myself to be a queer, um, it's a roomy term either way. But talking to her about sex like she kind of, um, I can see her getting uncomfortable if I if I talk about toys and things like that with her. I can still like say, oh yeah, I had sex and it was great. I'm in a good mood or it's been a while and that like be a normal thing. But if I start getting too specific, I can see her kind of like clenching up. Is she at all adverse to your being a queer woman? No, not at all. Um, which I feel lucky about but part of the reason might be because uh I think she believes that I'm gonna end up with a male either what um I don't that's I mean that's not a truth we don't know what's going to happen um but I think that might be why she's okay with it yeah like she may view this as me being explorative right now um but like I'm coming back towards something very specific and I don't know that that's true about my life. Wow. Yeah. That is interesting when parents are accepting of who you are, but they're still holding on to a hope that you're still going to be who they want you to be. Yeah. I think that's typical. I mean, that's normal. Normal meaning it's common. 
I would never talk to my dad about any, like I joke with my dad just to make him uncomfortable. I'll tell him, oh yeah, like, um, uh, I'm bringing my friend. We're le- like, I'm, I'm a lesbian or like I'm bringing a woman or, uh, set him up for something like that because he, I think he's like a little bit homophobic. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so just to, to make him feel uncomfortable, I'd like him to think that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, you know, I asked so that of, with, like, a little bit of shock, but I think, yeah, most yeah. of our parents' generation, they're all a little homophobic. Yeah. Um, Even just, like, a little bit older, like, my sister, she's six years older than I am. She's a little bit homophobic. Really? And it's like, the difference isn't that big, but they're... I want to say there's, um, I don't know how old you are, but um, maybe starting from 28 years old, just a couple years older than me to 30s, it could really be either way with whether or not a person is comfortable with queerness or not, I've noticed. It's weird. I don't know when the switch happened. It has something to do with the internet, but... That's so interesting. Have you come out to your family? It's strange. I don't know that... And I know that this is um, this is privilege, a privilege that I have. I don't know that a coming out is something that I would have to do. I guess I would feel I feel as nervous about a man uh, that I'd be bringing around my family as I would about a woman. I don't know that it would change very much for a woman. There was a time where um, I uh, was considering bringing a friend, uh, a female friend of mine to a holiday thing and this is someone that I was like seeing and I felt just as nervous bringing her as I did a boyfriend. My siblings know that I date women that I am uh, attracted or have been attracted to trans women, trans men, cis women, cis men. My dad maybe thinks I could be. My mom knows that I am, but it's only happened just through casual conversation or something situational that's happening. So, but I know that that's a privilege of mine that I like, can do that. I don't know if that answers your question. So I guess I'm, I'm out, but I wouldn't consider it being out until I bring someone. And I don't know that I would preface it with a, I like women conversation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tell me about pre-college peaches versus mm. college peaches. Sure. Yeah. When all hell broke loose. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I lost my virginity when I was 16 in this hot ass RV. I had to come home after sweating my hair out. <laughs> I went swimming, mom. <laughs> like, I really, I have no idea how, like, she just was uninterested in, oh, she just ran on the side of the swimming, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> so, when I was 16, I was a really good student in high school, and so, like, ditching to go fuck was never obvious to anyone else. That's what I would do. Before I ended up getting to college, I'd had three partners. Um, so the dude that I lost my virginity to, I would just like hook up with him. We weren't in a relationship, but we were still pretty connected sexually and ended up be- getting together later. During times where he would get a girlfriend, then I would go and find someone else. So I had pretty consistent sex from then on. I think one of the, all men though, I knew that I liked things about girls. I had a crush 
undergrad, but I didn't know that that's what was going on. But I was also like, I was having sex with men. That was my sexual awakening. Didn't really have time to, to focus on women yet. Then I went to college and I was very comfortable with having sex when I wanted to, which living in a dorm is not always super conducive to that. Again, and I think that this is why I appreciate my mom being so open with sex. I really didn't deal a lot with like the guilt thing. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for that. But because I mean, I see people dealing with it, women dealing with it and fucking sucks. But I didn't give a shit if I was called a hoe or any of that because sex is great, does a lot for a person when it can. So my first two years of college, had a ton of sex with men. I still hadn't been with a woman. I kissed a girl and that can I, yeah, can I tell you about that, actually? Please. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, was uh, having sex regularly with men, um, some that I date, some that I wouldn't. And I was at a party. I think it was my sophomore year of college. There was this girl um, who was a friend of a guy who'd throw parties often, house parties or whatever, kickbacks at his house. And the girl was his cousin um, who I'd never met before. She was just visiting. She was super outgoing. I don't know if she identifies as a lesbian or a straight. I think she was just fluid and fun. And it happened, the night just felt like a very slow, um, gradual buildup. I feel like I was seduced in this really beautiful, like really rich way. Just a lot of just like slow, slow realizations of like maybe me staring too long at her and like... I was used to there being a point where like, okay, you need to like settle down. Like this is, this person is obviously not a lesbian or anything like that, or you're not a lesbian. What are you doing? But just the moments in which I crossed that line with her, I didn't end up sleeping with a woman until after college. Oh. Yeah. Well, tell us more about post-college peaches. (laughs) Post-college peaches. Um, was in a relationship a monogamous relationship with a man moved in with him after uh, school to the inland empire it was terrible we should not have moved in together etc <laughs> very common story for a lot of people um <laughs> one really cool thing that ended up coming out of that relationship is that uh, this person was also sexually fluid just unaware of how to express it And so our relationship became a very safe space for that, um, for him to explore men and for me to explore other women. We'd always do it as a threesome, but it was very clear, like, uh, that if we were seeing another man that I was doing this for him, we were doing this for him, or if we were seeing another woman, we were doing it for me. So my first time sleeping with a woman, another man was in the room, and I, I sometimes hate that that was the case, but... I also felt very safe around this person, and it's it's definitely a thing that happens where, um, especially if this is a person who's not in your life, um, who you don't know, right? Um, which I, in a relationship, prefer for a threesome. You don't know how comfortable the woman feels and how aware the woman feels of the male gaze being something that can hinder expression. And I mean, in the room with her asking that in the moment is sometimes not an option. And so I think one way that I handled that was just a lot of, are you okay? Do you want to do this? Like, 
consent, 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 but not really just consent with, are you okay with having sex? But like, are you here with me? Do you feel comfortable? And, uh, that's always been a difficult thing. There's also to the moment in which you don't know if the woman has gotten used to having sex for herself mm-hmm. and having a man there makes it so hard to, um, to get a woman to, do you, does that make sense? A lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that was difficult. I know in our first threesome, like I even had to keep telling myself, you're not doing this for him. Have sex for yourself. This doesn't have to look attractive. I don't think I was successful the entire time. Um, there were definitely moments where I was not being true to myself, but I was definitely aware of it. Yeah. Do you feel now that every time you have sex, it's for yourself? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I, um, I've been single again for about five months. Nice. Um, I've been in monogamous relationships for a long time. Um, and just trying to protect my time right now. Um, <laughs> I feel like this last session of me being single, this last hoe phase has been really helpful for me. Um, to feel like me wherever I am. Yeah, I so like I'm, I'm on apps, right? I'm on Tinder, I'm on Field, which is so amazing because it's like you're already kind of in this contractual thing where you can talk um, just directly about what you want, figure out right away if the person has what you want and move on. Like every dude in LA is on that fucking app. Very easy to get what you want. And for listeners, what is the Field app for? Ooh, okay. So Field. Field is an app that used to be called Thrinder. It was originally created to connect singles and couples together uh, for a threesome. However, there weren't a ton of people on there. I don't know if the company was sold or what, but it's now called Field, F-E-E-L-D. And it's become a place for threesomes, but also just for like kinksters and for people looking for casual sex who don't want to do it on Tinder and like harass people there, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, it's really wonderful. You make a profile with your desires, with what you already like, and find other people who are into the same thing. It's pretty cool. I guess just how easy it is to find a person and meet up with a dude, whatever. That ease has made it easier for me to be like, no, I'm not really feeling this and I don't have to do this. And um, also sex is not um, centered around an orgasm. Um, For me, at least, uh, it's totally, I mean, there, there are times in which there's a time and a place. For me, though, I like to kind of take that pressure off. If I don't have an orgasm during sex, it doesn't mean that I didn't have a good time. Yeah, just having that access to other people um, who can be mature about a casual sex relationship has made it easy for me to feel like me. You are a wild woman, and so I'm curious about a past body tale that you can share with us. Sure. Gosh. (laughs) So when I was first single, I had to spend a lot of time thinking about um, what my dominant side was actually, what my submissive side was actually, when it comes out, why it comes out. And uh, I guess just got thinking about redefining on what submissive meant for me and what dominant meant for me. I was on field and I had a very specific profile. I was seeking more encounters with women 
Um, and then I was also seeking encounters to, oh, well, I needed like a casual, like just a casual dick to have around, right? Like one that was perfect that I can call. It's good. Yeah. No drama. Good dick. But I also wanted, um, a man to dominate. So in a previous relationship that I had, uh, we had gotten used to pegging and just kind of like role reversal. And I didn't know that I would miss that. Um, I thought that I was, I guess, doing it for the other person, but it's not true. I was getting a lot of it. I ended up seeing a couple people, a couple men, um, trying to find a good match for that. And it kind of helped me to like redefine what dominant and submissive meant for myself. So I feel like a person who identifies as submissive is actually very dominant. They have a very specific idea of what they want. And when you're controlling the situation like that, you are the dominant one. So I guess I was looking for another dom who's a bottom. Ended up meeting up with this guy. He's about 6'5". I'm like 5'3", five 5'4 five with my shoes on. 5'5", five five if I'm putting it down on paper. Met up with this dude. 6'5". Um, had never done pegging before, but it had like a finger or two inside. Like knew that his prostate was basically like having a clit inside of his anus. Like he knew that the, it was a big zone. Anyway, we met up, we had drinks. He's very discreet. He's hetero fluid. I met up. Okay, so first time going over, we had drinks. I went into the bathroom of his place after we went back to his place and I changed. And I wore a dress on purpose that was like a little bit puffy and put on my strap on underneath the dress. And I didn't say that that's what I was gonna do. I'm just like, let's just have some fun with this. Like, cause he's probably gonna be shy. Let's just get ready. I haven't done this in a long time. But come out, wearing my dress, got my strap on underneath, um, and we start fooling around, making out. Doesn't take very long for him to realize that he's grabbing onto a dick when he's like reaching down to touch me. And like the look, in his eyes, he, like, came alive. It, like, in that moment, I felt, like, so fucking powerful. It was amazing. We ended up, of course, uh, having sex where I dominated him. I got him to suck my cock. I fucked him. I got him to arch his back. He, like, definitely um, let himself fall into that feminine um, energy. Um, sensual energy, one of my favorite things ever. It's very good. Well, bravo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Five-star work. Uh, for the third portion of the show, I like to play a little game that's like truth or dare, but it's first or last. So I'll ask you uh, first or last, and then you decide, and then I decide something from my list of scenarios. So first or last. <sighs> Tell me about the last time you were in love. Oh. I fell in love with someone at work, um, which has never happened. It was just the way that I fell in love um, with this person has never. I've been in love before. It's never happened this way. It was very slow, a very slow burning thing. Um, the most organic thing that's ever happened to me. I don't know if I'll ever get again, but yeah, it was wonderful. There were a lot of just um, issues logistically, and the age disparity was really great. Our lives were just so different. The the fa um, phase of life that they were in 
scary transitional one. So it could not work, but I've, I've never felt anything like that. Um, it, uh, to really know, to really be able to identify what you like about a person like precisely. And it's not like you're writing a card and you're trying to think of these things. It's like they're undeniable. And then you get to, oh, I guess another cool thing about it was I was at work um, in this environment where um, uh, there was so much condescension from the men in the office on me, from the white men in the office. Seeing this person like be encouraging and supportive of me, this was a white man, seeing this person like step down and take up less space, just all these wonderful things that I got to see like combined with with actually liking them and, and falling in love with them. It was such a wonderful experience. It's a weird thing though, right? Because sometimes a lot of the older men that you can, um, I have never dated an older woman, so I can't speak oh. to that, but um, it's on my list. It's on my field profile. Hello, ladies. I'm, um, I'm so, <laughs> but one thing with dating an older man is that He's older, and so he's more comfortable with himself and um, is maybe uh, more well-rounded, maybe more cultured. But the thing is, a lot of the ones who are into dating younger women, of course, will not have their life together in some capacity. Such a great episode. Before we end, do you have any final thoughts? I'm going to make a recommendation, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a book... That helped me when I came out of um, a four-year-long monogamous relationship. I came out of that relationship feeling um, a little bit ashamed of how sexual of a person I was and feeling like it would be too much for people or that I wouldn't be accepted because of it sometimes, uh, just feeling that way. Just toxic relationship bullshit left over. Anyway, there's this book called King Kong Theory by um, this French sex theorist named Virginie Despence. And it's wonderful. Gets you to get yourself out of having sex for another person and start having sex for yourself. Feeling okay about that. Feeling good about that. Yeah, I highly recommend it. There's definitely... I appreciate a person, a lover, except not men. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, (laughs) dudes. I appreciate a woman who is selfish during sex. Totally appreciate that. Men, you haven't earned the right to do that yet. Um, but women, women should be selfish during sex, 100%. Yeah, I totally believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can get behind that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Peaches, for joining me here, for inviting me into your home, and for speaking with me on some pretty deep, dark secrets. Mm-hmm. I like it. Thank you. This is fun. Oh. Thank you again to my guest and to you, the listener. Connect with Afterthought on iTunes or Google Play by subscribing and on IG by following Listen to A. Till next time.